0: I'm Laura Rockefort. Welcome to our podcast, What Leaders Need Now, where my partner, Andrea Chilcote, and I discuss beliefs, behaviors, and values essential in this time of transformation. In our initial episodes, we've been talking about the essential leadership qualities that Andrea wrote about in her new book, What Leaders Need Now. Those qualities are compassion, courage, and humility. Today we'll be diving deeper into courage and leadership. I am so excited to be joined with my special guest, Scott Vosch. Scott is a senior leader at Omaha Public Power District, OPPD, joining in 2013 to lead business strategy and deployment. In 2020, Scott was promoted to vice president and is accountable for continuous improvement, corporate audit, corporate governance, enterprise risk management, innovation, legal operations, nuclear oversight, and strategic planning. Scott, what don't you do? (laughs) Scott has more than 20 years of prior strategic management and consulting experience in several notable industries, including hospitality, financial services, healthcare, and federal services. He's also worked independently as a strategic consultant for a variety of businesses and nonprofit organizations. A native of Omaha, Scott, Nebraska. Scott has a strong commitment to the community, serving currently and in the past on numerous boards focused on personal growth, inclusion, and compassionate care. Scott earned his master's degree in business administration with a focus on international management from Thunderbird School of Global Management. He earned a bachelor's degree from Creighton University with a focus on French and business administration. Scott, welcome.
1: Thank you, Laura, for inviting me to be part of this conversation. It really is a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you. So can you tell us about your leadership journey as a strategy officer and the role that you're now playing at Omaha Public Power District?
1: Absolutely. When I reflect back on the journey what I think about first for my diverse interests, I always grew up liking kind of all the left brain stuff and the right brain stuff I had a hard time focusing on either side. And I also found myself really interested in things from a global perspective like not only what does this mean to me, but what does this mean to us collectively and and how might we be looking at this from across the world. And so it wasn't a surprise in the early nineties, I fell into strategy as working for the global headquarters of Best Western Hotels. I was working as a marketing analyst and they, they created this new function, strategic planning. And as I started doing this work of strategy, I really came alive and pretty quickly, my left and my right brain were like both on fire because strategy requires you to be thinking creatively and thinking about the vision, but it also requires you to create a pathway to get there. So, when I was able to use my full self in my work and not just part of it, I knew this was the work that I wanted to do. I was lucky early on. I had several projects on global branding, global governance, uh, very complicated things for someone in the early 20s to be asked to tackle. Thankfully, I was surrounded by great leaders and had a real opportunity to explore and explore in a way that was, you know, psychologically safe and helpful to to my growth and to my development. I left that organization in the late 90s and worked at, at, across diverse industries. I've worked again in the hotel side of things. I worked in financial services. I've worked in healthcare and for federal contracting. What I've learned in all of these industries and in all of these companies, the questions around strategy were kind of the same. I mean, who are we? Where are we going to go? How do we intend to get there? And Culturally, how do we want to show up as an organization? Those those important questions really do ultimately shape what strategy is all about. Now to the question at hand about OPPD, how did I end up there? I was facilitating leadership development in a program called Bringing Spirit to Leadership. It was a wonderful program and really was asking participants to be thinking about the year 2040. And asking participants, when you think about the biggest vision you can hold for the year 2040, are you showing up today with integrity and intention to create the future that you can imagine? Members of OPPD's senior leadership team were part of the program, and I came to know and really respect what the organization was all about. It's probably about five years later when they were looking for somebody to help them with strategic planning that they reached out to me. Um, and I was really excited about what they were talking about and thinking about what I might be able to bring to what they were trying to accomplish. You know, OPD is a mission-driven organization, has so many inspired leaders, and I've been there for 10 years now, which, well, will be 10 years in September anyway, and it's longer than I've been at any place, and I imagine I'll have at least 10 more years there.
0: The topic of our podcast today is courage. It's the second essential quality that Andrea writes about in her book, What Leaders Need Now. Scott, when you hear the word courage in a leadership context, what's the first thing that comes to mind, and how do you define leadership courage?
1: What a thought-provoking question. I want to say that I love this book and what a gift the book is to the world. The message is clear, and actually, the book does a good job of defining what I think encourages in this sense well. It talks about avoid, endure, and transform, and that the courageous choices will always involve transformation. That has been my experience. Um, I studied French, as you've mentioned earlier, and there's an expression, soit courageux, which means really to, to be courageous, as it talks about in this book as well, to speak one's mind by telling all of one's heart that's much more easily said than done. And when the French say it, it sounds you know, pretty good as well. <laughs> um, I would like to bring one person into it. And the book makes point to this as well, although the person who influenced my thinking around this is Marion Williamson. In her book, Return to Love, she really talks about there's this dichotomy that exists for all of us. And really the two choices are between love and fear. And I think leadership courage is really choosing love. There is love in every moment. And each of us has an opportunity to really shine light, to help people move forward through uncertainty and ambiguity, uh, to letting them know we care about them, that we empathize with their concerns. and, And we, by shining our light, by finding love, by choosing love, can encourage them to keep moving forward. It's about keeping that forward motion going. And so we get to choose love. And I'd say, let's do that even when, and perhaps most importantly, when things are the most challenging.
0: When you think about that, especially as you think about what love means in leadership, how does that show up? Mm -hmm. You know, what what do you think we're doing when we're expressing love?
1: First of all, I, I believe we have an obligation to make a fundamental assumption that people want to come in and make a difference, a positive impact and whatever it is that they're doing. As a leader, it can be a little bit challenging sometimes, especially if somebody is veering away from the path that you can see clearly. At that moment, you know, I'm able to pause, I'm able to say, okay, this person is bringing forward their best and their positive intent. What is that? Do I have something to learn from that? Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, sometimes uh, po- very pleasantly and genuinely where they're thinking and they're, what they're bringing to it is something that I may have never have even thought of, right? And as a result of paying attention and really honoring the individual and where they are and listening to them, and being present, mm-hmm. it may influence the way that the, that we're moving forward, the full outcome of where it is that we're going and why we're going there. Uh, and at the same time, well, and that's I'm sorry, Laura, no, just, go ahead. go ahead. Well, and at the same time, I think sometimes they might not have the information that they need. and what obligation do I have to bring that into their consideration and then allow them to to process that and to think about that and and then maybe they kind of realign more with what I'm thinking. or you know, like I say, I need to be open to the possibility that I don't know everything. And I'm grateful for that. I don't have that burden. Really, I think the sacred trust I have as a leader is to create the space for everyone to come in and come up and do their very best. How am I helping them do that?
0: You gave us really everything that we're saying in the book, which is compassion, courage, and humility. You know, the idea of starting with compassion for the person and for yourself, Mm -hmm. and also having that humility that you don't know everything. Um, Beautifully said, Scott. Scott, that, you know, that vision of 2040 and looking out that far for yourself and wanting to have an impact and making a difference someplace, I think that's phenomenal that you chose a, an organization that's really trying to do the right things right um, in their planning and in their thinking about the future to make sure that they're envir- environmentally sensitive yeah. as well as, you know, holding costs down for consumers. And so it's just amazing that they have you. Um, You and I have known each other for 15 years, maybe even longer. And you were responsible for me getting my first client when I started my business, which sparked my leadership courage. And it seems to me that you've always been someone who shows leadership courage. You're open about being a gay male senior executive. You live principles of openness, honesty, and integrity and you lead important and sometimes difficult conversations that make each of us in our organizations better. We often quote Kuzis and Posner and they say that challenges call forth courage and that taking courageous action is both liberating and transformational. Can you tell us one of your leadership challenges that called forth courageous action and how that informed and transformed how you lead today?
1: First of all, thank you for those very kind words. I have to share that your gift of love and light expressed through your work is cultivating such wonderful things, and people are so fortunate to have you do the work that you're doing. Um, You, Laura, have shined light in my life, and I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. I very much appreciate the kind words and want to acknowledge that it's not always that I'm courageous. In fact, there are times, and perhaps several during a given day, when I'm not expressing leadership courage the way that I would like, you know, ultimately we're human Um, and the practices of development, reflection and acknowledgement are critical and to be fully present in who you are at that moment so that you can understand am I showing up am I being the best leader I can be am I being kind to myself and to others. I've been fortunate throughout my career, I think, to have many examples of many good leaders, and I don't think that I could show up the way that I do had it not been for those leaders who showed me such strong examples of what courageous leadership is. I would mentioned earlier the global headquarters of Best Western Hotels, and I had a leader by the name of Janice, who is incredible. Um, She saw something in me that I just did not see in myself. I could not see it myself. And it was assignment bigger than anything I thought I was capable of doing. But she said, you know, you can do it. I trust you to do it. And I'm here to help you along the way. It took courage for her to do this. This is a high profile project. We were working with our board of directors and our executive team. We were navigating through an issue that was quite contentious. And We were trying to gather and collect information that would help people come together and make a decision. Ultimately, that would shape the future of that organization. And here she was having me as project manager for that. And there were times through that that I messed up. There were times where I did not do the work that was in front of me, and I stumbled through some things. And yet each time I stumbled, she says, you have this. I'm here. Let's do it. The outcome was great. It made me feel great. It recommitted me to do the work that I did, but it also committed me to be a type of leader that would be like what Janice did for me in that moment.
0: Scott, that was transformational for you, really, because you could have avoided that. You could have said, No, no, thanks. I don't want to take on that responsibility. And, or you could have, you know, said it should be somebody else's. I'm not good enough. Yes. But that moment of courage for you of being able to say, yes, I'll stand in this and I'll step up to this was a big, was a big move.
1: It it felt like that. And let's pause on what you just said there. It's the saying yes. I I have felt for a long time that if we just pause and pay attention, really the best thing that we can do as people and as leaders is to follow and amplify that energy of yes. An example that I was thinking about was I was living in Washington, DC, and I had established my own consulting practice. And I was talking actually to OPPD as a potential client, I thought. And they said, We support your consulting, but we really want you to be with us full time. Do you think that we can figure this out? And they will say, At first, I thought, Well, I'm not sure that I can. I reached out to several people that I know, several people that I trusted, and said, what should I do? And much to my surprise, because in a certain way, I really wanted to stay in Washington, D.C. i come to know and love the city. Mm-hmm. Everyone I reached out to said, yes, you should go. You mm-hmm. should go to this job in OPPD, for OPPD in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And I had provided this advice to people I would mentored for many years, follow the energy of yes. And mm-hmm. suddenly here was a crossroads for me. Mm-hmm. Am I going to follow that energy, which is clearly pointing me back to Omaha, Nebraska? Or am I going to do what I really think I wanted to do at that time, which was stay in Washington, D.C.?
0: Well, uh, yes. Sorry, I think that's, that's a similar thing of people seeing things in you, like back to Janet, and people sort of saying this is kind of in your wheelhouse. This is what you want to do, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly, and because I think I shared openly and transparently about who I am and who I was across the way, people could see that, and they knew it was time. So I came back to Omaha, Nebraska, and again, I this has really been a favorite job of mine. I love working for this organization, and I love that work that we are doing in this world. Also, though, I will say on a personal basis... What happened was I'd come back and my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, and and I'm pleased to report that she's doing fine and well, but I would not have been able to be here for her in the way that I was able to be here, having moved back. And a friend of mine also had cancer, throat cancer, and I would not have been able to be here for him in the way that I wanted to and needed to had I not moved back. So sensing this energy and kind of where it's pulling is something intuitively I know to be important. And oftentimes for the things we can't even see. So pay attention to it. I think it's really required and and moving into it and, and more is revealed as you go along and just be open to the journey. It's rather miraculous when you think about it. And so one of the things that I always check in for myself Is am I following the energy of yes and I'll advise people around me to, to do the same
0: oh that's so great in her book what leaders need now Andrea talks about being able to speak honestly about who we are and share our feelings and experience and that's highlighted as an essential element in everything from high trust teams to inclusive workplaces yet we know that we're not always safe in our organizations and they don't support courageous vulnerability. Andrea goes on to say in the book that what we need now are leaders who are courageous enough to change culture at its core. So Scott what are you doing as a senior leader to create that kind of courageous vulnerability at all levels so you're you can help change the culture. Mm-hmm.
1: I love those birds, and and what a powerful question. I I work for an organization that has a strong safety culture. Um, As we deliver electricity, being safe in the process is incredibly important. A few years ago, we added to our safety briefings, which is really how we begin each and every meeting, with a conversation and a reminder about the importance of being psychologically safe. Oh, wow. about creating a safe environment for the conversations that need to happen to happen, to respect people and to remind folks of the type of tone and tenor and how powerful conversations with multiple perspectives can be in terms of advancing that. And I'm really grateful for that example and to honestly just be able to reinforce it. I hope that I'm modeling through my actions with what, what this is all about um, you and I have both been part of something where we've been invited to envision a world that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important component of this courage to understand what is that world and am I living in alignment with that world that I wanna create? Um, I It's a sacred obligation, really. Um, We've been entrusted and empowered in leadership roles. I know I have been in my organization. I have certain authorities that others don't. How am I leveraging this power? Am I leveraging it for good? Am I leveraging it in a way that's keeping people in a state of psychological safety, encouraging and cultivating that? Um, And hopefully I'm doing that. An example that comes to mind here where where I felt I was really having to draw my courage was on May 25th, 2020, when George Floyd was murdered. The question for us became, you know, how do we show in and show up and what is it that we're wanting to do? How do we want to provide a sense and a message of safety to everybody in our organization, of care, of compassion, of inclusion? to acknowledge this particular event and the impact that it had and what we would and wouldn't tolerate as an organization through, through this very tumultuous time of, mm. of events that have just built up over centuries of, of this type of event. Um, and so we sent a letter and I helped to draft that letter to all employees, speaking to our values, speaking of who we were, uh, who we are and who we intend to be. I had team meetings, I pulled together my business unit, and we just had an open conversation talking about what was going on, talking about how it felt, talking about how we felt, talking about how it impacted us. And that led to several one-on-one conversations with people that really just needed to be heard, to be known, uh, to be seen, and ultimately to, to know that they were cared about. Now, these conversations are not easy to have. I mean, honestly, as a society, we've not per- we're not well practiced in them. I've likened it to going into a gym and looking at equipment for the first time and thinking, I'm going to be strong and good. Well, be smart in terms of how you leverage that equipment. Otherwise, you're going to come out really sore and things are going to hurt. And yet, if you practice these conversations and you have more of them over time, you do become stronger. Things become more at ease and you're able to really advance and see the results that allow these types of conversations to become more natural. Through this, I feel like I needed to to have a commitment and a commitment to be aware, to acknowledge that feeling where it's going to be awkward, to courageously speak my heart from that place of love. and ultimately to practice, practice, practice. These are not the first conversations and they've not been the only conversations that we've had. We've continued to have conversations. I oftentimes will have a a meeting, it's been mostly quarterly, um, where I pull a group of cross-functional individuals together who have participated in diversity, equity, and inclusion exercises. And we have conversations around this topic of diversity, equity, inclusion, what that means, where are we strong? What opportunities do we have to improve? People love the conversations, they report back and I'm grateful to continue to have them as long as they're valuable and meaningful to people.
0: Scott, I think that conversation that began around diversity, equity, inclusion in many companies after George Floyd was murdered, was almost a one and done, but I think what you're saying is that in your culture, it's not, and psychological safety is really important to how you lead and how others in your organization lead, and that's admirable. That's right. Mm. So there's a great article by a guy, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, James Detter, I believe, who wrote What Courageous Leaders Do Differently and he said leaders often are often asked to sorry leaders often ask others to stick their necks out even when those same leaders aren't willing to do that themselves and we've seen and you kind of highlighted that the pain and suffering that results from some of that inappropriate disrespectful and even inhumane behavior that can happen in the workplace as well we especially want Courageous senior leaders, all of us do, who will create those inclusive environments by walking their talk and living their values, even when it's hard. And you talk about that coming from a place of love. Um, at the senior level, hard often means taking risks in the marketplace and with owns political capital. And that holds some people back, you know, according to this article. So, as a senior executive and one who is also gay, in what ways are you speaking your truth and making it safe for others to do the same? You've had some of those comments, but would love to hear more.
1: Things have changed dramatically for the LGBTQIA community during the three decades that I've been in the workforce and the five decades that I've been on this planet. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for all of the courageous leaders who came before me, making a difference, speaking their voice being heard so that as a gay man in an organization today, I feel that I can live a life that is so much freer, more open um, and more transparent than I could have in the the past for sure. There does remain work that needs to be done within our society. There are people and places who would have us otherwise disappear. I'm so, so grateful that that has not been my experience at the organization where I'm currently working. OPBD has embraced me, they've embraced me for who I am. And as a result, I'm able to really amplify, I think in a meaningful way, diversity, equity, and inclusion to stand in, stand up, and to be seen. I'm guided by the belief that each of us are here, that I'm here to summon my courage to make a positive difference to humanity from wherever I am. And I'd mentioned earlier, you know, what's the greatest vision I can hold for the world and for my country, for my community, my company, my team, myself. And I ask myself, am I living courageously and with integrity? Some opportunities I've had at OPPD, for example, is raising the pride flag. It signals to people that we honor you, and we invite you to bring your best self to work each and every day. Mm -hmm. And we've launched, and and I'm the executive sponsor for OPBD Pride ERG. Mm -hmm. And I've invited people to join me. You know, having strong allies by my side, people who are not LGBTQ, but boy, do they love and support us, has been so incredibly important. And through, These conversations and these setups, we've had courageous conversations and clarify, you know, really collectively who we are and who we want to be and the type of impact we want to make again, both inside and outside of our organization. I really do believe I have an obligation to be seen, to let people know who I am and know me for who I am. What people do with that. Really, it's ultimately their business, but they can't respond to that if I'm not willing to offer it. So, So I must, and I do, and I hope that it makes a difference.
0: I think you showing up completely as you and taking those moments to be the one who leads the ERG and who raises the pride flag and as a senior executive allows someone else in the organization to say, If Scott's doing it, I can do it too, instead of living a shadow life. And I think, you know, sometimes inside of our companies, we don't have that. We have to show up and be one thing because that's what we're supposed to do versus what you're saying, Scott, which is be your whole best self and be that authentically, be that honestly. Ah, I so appreciate that. So as, as we close this important leadership call to courage, what words of wisdom do you want to leave with our audience of leaders today?
1: Uh, well, first of all, thank you for this conversation, Laura, and to Andrea for bringing what leaders need to know into the world. Mm. It, it is a gift of wisdom and vulnerability um, that will attract people to the message. Um, it invites us all to reflect on who we are and how we want to show up in the world. When I was reflecting on this book and this conversation, I was thinking, you know, compassion, courage, and humility are so powerful. And if I liken each of these things to musical instrument, each one really plays its own type of music in such a beautiful way. And, and collectively, this, this orchestra that emerges is really transcendent. And the three practices that are advocated here, the development, and reflection, and acknowledgement, teaches us to dance, to the music. And when we don't adhere to these, practice these, things become awkward, right? And a little bit clumsy as leaders, when we're not compassionate, courage, and and humble, or when we don't develop, reflect, and acknowledge, they can become clumsy. And so I think the wisdom perhaps I'm offering to everyone and a reminder perhaps to myself and to call it wisdom might be, bigger. It doesn't feel terribly humbled to me, but you know, I, I wish everyone the courage to really listen to that music of compassion and courage and humility, Mm. to be able to close your eyes, to trust in who you are, Mm. and to accept the invitation it offers us each and every day to just dance.
0: And you are doing that beautiful dance in the world, Scott Foch. Thank you so much for that. And you made me really think about when you said that and the way that you said that, that left and right brain that you have that is so complex and so able to see both the creative and the realistic at the same time, makes you an incredible leader in our community and really for a change agent in the world. So thank you so much for being here with us sharing your wisdom and your journey. Um, To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Remember to click on the subscribe button on the What Leaders Need Now YouTube channel or go to whatleadersneednow.com to see our recent podcasts and get notified about what's coming up in new episodes. And be sure to share this podcast with your colleagues and your friends. Thank you, everyone.